Hey, Scott. Yes, Adam. Why is this dog humping my leg? Because I took you off your leash. That is the worst thing you've ever said to me. <laughs> you have to leave that in. <laughs> Coming to you almost live from the Bonavista Dog Park, this is The Unknown Studio. I'm Scott. I'm Adam. We are your free-ranging hosts. <laughs> free-ranging, I like that. There you go. Well, I am now that you've taken me off my leash. I don't know why you insisted that I wear one. I don't even know what the, why I let you put a collar on. Just to keep you from biting people? I guess, I guess I do have a problem what with the rabies and all. Yeah. Well, it's another show. It is. And it's another strange turn of events Weather-wise, yeah. <laughs> Why does this keep happening? I us? don't, because... We live in Edmonton? We live in Edmonton, and because we have a podcast, and we are trying to desperately find something else to talk about. <laughs> but every time we sit down to record, the weather has taken an abrupt turn. And it really, really has. I mean, the day that we're recording this... Uh, there was a weather warning that we would get five to ten centimeters of snow. And we did. And we did. And the roads are terrible, and everyone's really mad, except for the people who love snow. Even they, I think, at this point are starting to get a little like, seriously? Yeah, it looks cool, I guess, so there's that. It, it'll look cool for about two more hours, and then it will be brown and gross. Because it's already warming up. Yeah. The snow is already starting to melt. Uh, I believe the forecast for the weekend is calling for, like, double-digit temperatures. Yeah, so it'll be, like, gross and wet tomorrow. Not unlike the dog park. Or, in fact, completely like the dog park. Indeed. By the time you hear this episode, in fact, it could be green outside with birds singing and little bunnies hopping to and fro. <laughs> it could seriously just be like springtime, mini-summer. But, you know, a lot of people uh, this morning on Twitter were talking about how upset they are and how surprised they are. Uh, about this kind of weather, and, and then still others are posting photos from last year where it was basically exactly the same situation. Yeah, pretty much. So why do we keep forgetting every year that it's that this is what spring is like? This is simply what it's like now. I think it's because we had um, a lengthy mild spell in the winter. I think you're right about that. And it made everybody maybe assume that spring would be a little uh, a little warmer, a little a little nicer, a little more mild this year, and it really hasn't been. But it was we had nice weather in through to the end of October. Uh, also of true, but then but then we had record snowfall in November, in November. And December. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I think you know it's just things are changing. The way the way the seasons work seem to be shifting slightly, and it's it you know puts us all off our routine. So we're a little ornery about it. A little bit. I think it's fair to say. I think that's fair to say. Now, I notice you're wearing your uh, your House Greyjoy shirt. Yes. Um, you've, have you been keeping up with Game of Thrones? I am familiar with what is going on in Game of Thrones. Uh, I don't have HBO Canada. Yeah. So, I mean, even if I were to keep up to date by just buying the DVDs, I would be a season behind. Yeah. But I've read the books, so I cannot be spoiled on the story. And so I've been kind of keeping track of where people are in the show so that I can converse with them about events. Um, so I know what has happened okay. in the show. Okay. Um, and I know that there were people upset 
about spoilers at this point honestly like if you don't want to be spoiled on a tv show don't log on to twitter or facebook like you can't expect that one of the things that i've learned in my job and in my life is you cannot expect you'll be able to change other people's behavior well and it's not if i want to have a conversation about uh, a show with someone else who i know has seen the show Mm -hmm. and you're in the room it's not really our responsibility not to spoil you on stuff. Yeah. It's your responsibility to tune out and go do something else. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like, a little... And I, I wouldn't be a jerk. I'd say, we're going to talk about Winter Soldier now, so maybe you should go away. And that's fine. But if you stick around, it's not our fault. We spoiled you on the movie. Right? Totally agree, man. I totally agree. And it's doubly so with social media because social media doesn't even have the, uh, the grace to say, by the way, we're about to talk about something that you might not want to hear. So you really have to put your own effort into not being spoiled. Well, and I, one of my coworkers <clears throat> actually just this week mentioned, Kirby Kohler, shout out to her, uh, that she managed to go weeks uh, without spoiling herself on the finale to Breaking Bad, despite the fact that it was everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, totally. Because she just put a little bit of effort into it. And it's not like she avoided the internet for two weeks. She just would go out of her way not to look in places where someone might spoil something. You know, I do, I I completely, I sympathize with people who don't want the spoilers because uh, I hadn't seen the most recent episode of Game of Thrones until the following day. And, you know, as I do every morning, logged on to Twitter just to see what people were chatting about and they were, you know very clearly revealing the outcome at the end of the film, at the end of the show. a hot topic. It was a hot topic. People wanted to comment So, So sometimes it is hard to avoid that stuff, uh, but I don't think, you know, even in an era of uh, video on demand, that you can really be in a position for a show that's broadcast at a certain time of the week to be really upset about having it spoiled. That said, um, James Leask, shout out to him, Let's Um, not shout him out, though. (laughs) Mentioned on Twitter um, that it is... When you have a show that airs at a certain time, but it airs at the same time in every... um, Like, it airs at 7 o'clock Eastern, then it airs at 7 o'clock Mountain, then Mm -hmm. it airs at 7 o'clock Pacific. um, You have people who've seen the show earlier, and two hours ago. And it's... Why do they have to wait three or four hours before they're allowed to talk about it simply because people in our time zone or people in Vancouver haven't had a chance to see it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm totally sympathetic to that. It's a it's a weird uh, artifact of the way that we communicate nowadays that, that shit will get spoiled. Well, not only that, it's a weird artifact of the way that television is broadcast mm-hmm. because television continues to be broadcast on a schedule. And that with streaming television now especially you are getting to uh, a point where we're making a transition into an era where you can just watch whatever you want, whenever you want. Like season four of Arrested Development came out all All in one shot on Netflix. And so within three days, everybody could talk about the whole season if they wanted to binge watch it or not. And I think that, I think you're going to see more and more television shifting towards a, uh, a model where you're able to just consume it as fast and as instantly as you want with entire seasons just being available. Yeah, and, and there is some evidence out there, some uh, even some academic rigor that's been applied to the notion that uh, 
uh, about spoilers probably being incorrectly named because spoilers don't actually spoil anything. People derive a similar amount of enjoyment out of a story even when they know what the outcome is be, even, even if the outcome is extremely uh, dramatic and, and, and shakes things up. I mean, people, people you know, in, in a way, I think there's, there's some pleasure in knowing and then of seeing what well, knowing and I know, means. I know a lot of people who purposefully spoil themselves on stuff. They like to go into stuff kind of having an idea of where it's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, they're the kind of people who will read the last page of the book before they read the entire book so that they, they know what's being set up. And they, get, they derive enjoyment from that. Um, there are some things where I, I know where I'm not going to be able to keep up on the pop culture, as it were, as quickly as I might like because of my lack of cable television. So I will go out of my way to kind of keep abreast of where certain series are are by looking at episode spoilers. And then when I go back and watch it, it doesn't make it any less enjoyable. Exactly. To yeah, totally. I mean... But on the other hand, I understand that there are some people who like to be surprised. And you are you are depriving them of that surprise. But I, what I, I, I'm not disagreeing with that point, but I'm... I think they overestimate how valuable that surprise is. I think, and underestimate uh, the amount of enjoyment they're going to get out of something even when they know the outcome. It's a sticky... It's a sticky wicket. It's a sticky situation. Yeah. Because it, much like so much uh, in regards to entertainment, it's subjective. Yeah. For some people, a spoiler is no big deal. For some people, it is devastating. And... You just kind of have to know your friends and know when you should be telling them about what happened in the sixth Harry Potter book. And know whether or not you want to be the ruiner, if you want to be known as that. Yeah. Um, Here's a spoiler for you. Andrew Knack is going to be on the show. He is. He is going to be Spoiler alert. Yeah. And he's going to talk about what he does. So I'm sorry I ruined it for you. But there it is. And uh, I will guarantee... Knowing that is not in any way going to uh, ruin the enjoyment you're going to derive from listening to him. No, I mean, he's got a lovely voice, first of all. Yeah. He's a sharp dresser, uh, which you can't see. <laughs> it's, that's exactly right. And, uh, and he is uh, a smart young man with, uh, with a lot of drive and, and is super excited to be doing what he does for the city. Yeah, so there. He also really likes video games, so we're going to talk about that. It's pretty exciting. There's a lot of great stuff going on in the city, aside from the not great stuff that involves the weather, um, or a lot of interesting stuff anyway. As, as many people will know, ground has been broken on the Arena Project. So that is, that is in progress as we speak. Um, and uh, so The that's city neat. also has uh, just given the tentative green light for the Galleria Project. Yes, for yeah. For new kind of downtown arts district. Yeah, they're, they're proceeding with caution, I think, would probably be the way to, uh, to describe that. And uh, so that could be a very interesting project for the city, um, done correctly. That is the only caveat I will put on it, and that could mean any number of things. The big, as I understand it, the big uh, concern is that the city doesn't want to run super over budget on it. Yeah. They, they would like to keep it within, within cost and not have it be a, a huge financial blow, especially with all the other stuff that the city is already on the hook for, the LRT, the arena, what have you. Well, and the risk here isn't necessarily in the construction of the Galleria project. It would be what happens if it's if the 
the operations aren't correctly funded, who's on the hook for that? Does that mean the city's going to have to pay for it, for example? So, so there are a lot of unanswered questions on that project that um, that councillors and uh, and city administration are, are really sort of digging into. So that was kind of the big news out of council this week. Uh, the other big news is that the Oilers failed to make the playoffs again. That's not really big news. No, that's kind of something that everybody saw coming. It's old news because I think For a while. about 20 games into the season, we knew that this was not going to happen. No. Again. 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 Uh, we are 28th, I believe. And we yeah. do indeed, uh, we did indeed land with the third overall draft pick. Right. And I, I haven't been paying super close attention to the entry draft this year, but I understand that more than in previous years, there aren't, there's not a plethora of, of, amazingly talented players in the draft. Now there are talented players, but there aren't there isn't like a clear clust- a cluster of, of dudes that teams are really gunning for. Uh, well, and that might yet emerge. Too. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. Because a lot of focus I feel like a lot of focus and and I might be off base on this, but I feel like a lot of focus uh going into the playoffs uh for a lot of teams is kind of uh making immediate changes and tweaks getting ready to to go into the playoffs. And then once the playoff cutoff hits mm-hmm. and you've got the teams that didn't make it, at that point, they uh, shift gears and go directly into scouting for prospects for the draft. Yep. So there hasn't been a lot of attention paid to it up until this point. And I think that the uh, the overall the, the overall makeup might change a little bit going forward towards the draft. Uh, as to who's kind of a desirable player who's going to be available, uh, just because there hasn't been a lot of attention. Whereas maybe, admittedly, in previous years, there were a lot of people who right off the bat, it was like, oh, that guy and that guy and that guy are all definitely going like the top three picks Mm -hmm. because they're super hot. There probably are some guys like that. They just haven't necessarily been spotted yet. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Now, it's kind of an interesting uh, playoff season because uh, there's only one Canadian team in the playoffs. That is correct. Uh, the in the Eastern Canada Conference, did not do so well this year. It was pretty shitty. Uh, uh, the just Vancouver the Canadians. Canucks uh, did not have a uh, great year. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, I'm going to use the term "screwed the pooch." Yeah. Uh, toward the end of their, this season. was a hopeful season for the. For they the Leafs. started out really, really strong, and just in the last part of the season, they just fell apart. I think they call that shitting the bed. Yep. I'm quite certain that that's what that's called. Uh, Calgary is similarly terrible to the Oilers, only slightly uh, better, aren't they? Like, by one... Marginally better. Yeah. Yeah. By, like, one place I'm, in the rankings. I'm telling you, new arenas for these teams will solve all of their problems. That is correct. That is <laughs> definitely true. So, yeah. Uh, and, of course, Ottawa it did not make it either. So that leaves the Canadians uh, to, to represent this country. I suppose, if that's how you want to look at it, that's certainly not how I want to look at it. Um, and they're they're actually playing uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round. So some great, interesting stuff happening in the hockey world, sort of. Not in Edmonton, though. No, as usual. Though there is a lot of talk about what the team needs to do to improve its fortunes. And uh, I don't know that anyone agrees on any particular point. No, I've heard a lot of uh, people saying that they just need to... Uh, dump Dallas Akins and uh, start again with a new coach, which I think is a terrible idea because the uh, constant change in head coach for the last 
five years. It seems like they haven't had any consistency there, and that, that's got to hurt. I think so. Um, there are people who are saying that it's time to start looking at trading some of our top draft picks um, who haven't really clearly done much for the team. I think that we've got a very strong group of forwards. We have no defense because mm-hmm. we've been focusing constantly on on forwards, not on what's happening at our blue line. And even a good goalie can only do so much without anybody there helping. Them. Well, and, and we as a, as a team, the Oilers have this, uh, this sort of attitude towards goalies. They kind of just they try to draft the best one or they try to play the best one, but they don't really give them any backup. There's, there are, there are, there historically or least recently, and I, I have to admit I wasn't paying close attention this year, but we never seem to have defenders that can really rally behind the goalie, or sorry, rally in front of the goalie. And we, we leave our goalies to be, you know, to and get I mean, shelled. Ben Scrivens set a league record this year, stopping something like, 57 shots for a shutout amazing and that that is amazing a goalie standing on his head is fantastic for this team but without defensemen that they can only do so much it's not sustainable the other uh major thing is people saying that the oilers management needs to get uh cleaned out because it's been the same management since really the downward slide began and clearly the argument is they're not helping it's a it's a corporate culture that is hurting the team on the ice. And a lot of a lot of that narrative also includes mentions of that sort of old boys club as you've got Kevin Lowe and, and Craig McTavish uh, in there making decisions. And while they, they had their time as, as players and, and as coaches, uh, they are not well suited to, to manage the team. I, I'm not sure whether that's true or not. I, I could see some merit to that argument. I think that, I don't think there's one answer. I agree with you. But on the other hand, I remain hopeful that maybe, just maybe, things will finally click yeah. and start working out. <laughs> Hopefully. Uh, you know, I mean, and it's a bit of a blow, I have to say, uh, though, uh, mad respect to the guy, to have uh, Ryan Smith retire. Uh, it was great to have him retire as an oiler. Would have been great to have him retire as a winning oiler uh, f- for this season. But, you know... Um, the, the Oilers actually did a really classy job of honoring him in their last game against the Canucks. And what was really cool at the end of the game when Ryan Smith was skating around the ice and waving to fans is the entire Canucks team came out and congratulated him on his career. And that was a pretty... It was, it was a pretty classy moment. It was an amazing moment, actually, because I fucking hate the Canucks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and now I can't because they are classy gentlemen. There it would seem. It would really seem. Um, yeah. Oilers. I don't know. And, you know, it's, it's the weirdest thing with any sports team to kind of hang a little bit of your city's pride on their performance. I mean, it's sports. It shouldn't matter as much as it does. But it does kind of hurt the morale of the city to see one of our premier sports franchises struggle year after year after year yeah. just to get out of the doghouse, let alone to make the playoffs, yeah. just to get out of the basement of the league. It, it hurts the city's pride a little bit, and that's kind of a shame. But on the other hand... The Edmonton Rush, our lacrosse team, have lost one game this season. Yep. They locked up a playoff spot months ago, and there are people who are still fighting to make the playoffs. I know. There's, the season's almost done. They are, at least as of the time of this recording, they are 15-1 and one on the season, and that is damned impressive. It's phenomenal. They broke uh, a winning streak record. Uh, the Oil Kings, 
also had a great season. That's true, yeah. So, I mean, it's not that we don't have sports teams we can be proud of. It's just unfortunately not the Oilers and the Eskimos right now. Oh, God, and the Eskimos. Yeah, they had a just a just a pff, shit season last season. But new season's coming up. Mm-hmm. We'll see if things turn around for them. But I mean, I, I think it's uh, I think it's worth it for for our listeners to try and get out there and check out a rush game if you can. They are actually really exciting in the and and it's different. It's very different. Having been to uh, to a rush game, I can say that it is a very different kind of sporting experience. It's weird. It's, it's like a, it's like a party. Yeah, it's like a party while there's sports going on. Music never stops playing. No, nope. like it, while the guys are, are running around the field uh, doing their thing, there's music playing, and I I found that very peculiar. Uh, at first, but it's actually pretty cool. It, it kind of there's like a tempo to the game that you're following. Yeah, and it's it's just a very different sort of environment and experience than you would be used to going to say a hockey game. Yeah, I wonder if they've ever thought about playing like uh, classical music, really slow music, to see how that would affect gameplay. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course they're going to try and play music that that intensifies and enhances the experience, but. I wonder if the NLL would be open to some kind of experimentation. I suspect the answer is no. <laughs> but who knows? You you have just failed in your bid to be a DJ for the NLL. <laughs> All I have are Tchaikovsky CDs. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, I'll, I definitely won't be doing that. But it is a, a great show uh, to check out if you can. Go to the Edmonton Rush's website, get some tickets to their next game, and support a team in this city that is winning. They are the winningest team in the city right now. Right now they are, yeah. Or you could just listen to our podcast. We are the other most winningest, winningest team. team. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, it's uh, it's really great to have you guys back listening to us for uh, another episode. And, and next episode is going to be an interesting one because Presumably. We'll, be, we'll be celebrating a milestone. We're not going to tell you what milestone. No. But you could probably suss it out based on... Uh, me at the end of this episode saying what episode number this is. There you go. So spoilers uh, <laughs> is what that was. But uh, we're going to get to our interview with Counselor Andrew Knack right after these messages. Are you looking for current, relevant, highly specialized digital media instruction? You need to seek out The Guru. Guru Digital Arts College offers intense six-month programs that simulate real-world projects. You'll work in small classes in a casual professional environment and meet industry pros who offer a mentor-style approach to learning. Some institutions make the same claim, but with Guru, you'll develop the confidence to get out and become a part of the digital media community. Come visit us anytime. Check out a class, talk with our instructors, and be part of the Guru experience. For more information, email info at gurudigitalarts.com or call 1-877-429-4878. We should take a moment, of I course. think, at I, this time. I'm going to agree with you. A solemn moment. Uh, everybody, please stand, take off your hat. Bow your head. Hands over your hearts. As we say thanks to Guru Digital Arts College. Oh, yes. Those guys. They're fantastic, <laughs> aren't they? They are pretty fantastic. They've been with us since practically the beginning, mm-hmm. giving us uh, support and uh, shout-outs and little bonbons on our pillows. <laughs> At night when we go to bed. I really don't know how they have access to our homes. I 
honestly don't know how they do it. They are some dig- sort of magic. They are digital wizards. They are. That's what it is. And uh, in fact, uh, when we were at the time of this recording, the previous night, they graduated a class of digital media production students and video game design students. So um, if you own a company or a business that is looking for that kind of talent, there are a few students out there, a few new graduates looking for work. And if you want to be among those new graduates, you should go to gurudigitalarts.com and find out if a career change is in the books for you. Speaking of in the books for you, that was a terrible segue. (laughs) But we're going to go with it. In the books for you. Okay, so Uh, do it. So uh, Oodle Noodle. Yes. Uh, are in the books as our newest sponsor. That, there you go. Yeah, yes. I la- stuck the landing. You it's all good. nailed it. <laughs> and uh, they are uh, fantastic. They're everywhere. They are literally For everywhere. your convenience. Yeah. Uh, there are locations all around the city of Edmonton in a number of the suburbs around the city, mm-hmm. Leduc, Short Park. Uh, and uh, they deliver as well. So if there is not one within walking distance of you, and there probably is. Yeah, probably. Uh, you can just call them up, and they will bring you delicious noodles to uh, eat. And other stuff, because they, well, yes. they don't just have noodles. In fact, um, just to prove to uh, our listeners that advertising works, uh, Nadine Riopel, our last guest on our last episode, said that she had recently tried Oodle Noodle because of the Unknown Studio, and that she regretted nothing. Uh, She did regret one thing, that she hadn't had Oodle Noodle before. That is true. That is true. No, I mean, great food. Definitely check them out. We really appreciate their support. OodleNoodle.ca. We're very pleased to welcome uh, Counselor Andrew Knack in the studio today. Uh, Thanks for joining us, Andrew. Oh, thanks for having me. And you don't have to call me Counselor Andrew Knack. Andrew's fine. You know, I made that mistake. uh, Andrew was at a uh, Nerd Night event. We brought him up on stage to to do a random presentation with a slideshow he'd never seen before. And he seemed perturbed that I kept calling him Counselor. So, Andrew, it is. Yes, thank you. And Uh, you are the Counselor of Ward 1. Ward 1. The first ward... The best ward? The, I, I think you could argue that. Fair enough. <laughs> I think you would argue <laughs> that. I, I, and I will. It is actually the wardenest ward in Edmonton. All other wards are number two and lower. All, all Literally. <laughs> all their wards are belong to Ward 1. Uh, thanks for joining us, of course. Um, you are a new counselor, and you took a, a sort of several kicks at the cat to get, to get on to city council. It was a long, long journey. Yeah, you ran, you ran a total of three times. Yes. Why did you keep running, I guess, would be the the best question there. Well, because the first time I ran, I didn't know anything. Uh, I just had an ego. And uh, so I realized that after I lost handily and (laughs) saw Don Iveson at the time, who was was also running. And I met him at one event, and I thought, wow, that man's very smart. I'm nowhere close to that. I'm not going to win. But I was uh, going to the doors. I I really gained a a great appreciation for for meeting with people and interacting with them. And uh, then I got involved with the community leagues. And then it just sort of snowballed into this is what I want to do. I want to serve the public in some capacity, whether it's as an elected official or or in any other type of city job that I could do. Hmm. And before that, you were were the manager of a retail store. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Up up until uh, about six months ago. Yeah. Or I guess about 10 months ago because I quit my job with four months before the election. I was sort of going in all or nothing this time to this election. But it seemed like you had been, uh, and maybe this is just my perception of the time between the the second time you campaigned and this most recent campaign, but it felt like you were spending a lot of time 
doing campaign-related activities in the lead-up to the actual election campaign. Is that fair to say? Yes. I pretty much started my 2013 campaign the day after 2010, and I started building on, on what I learned from 2010 and developed a strategy. And Oh, well, it looks like it worked. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> uh, the, the voters of Ward 1 got really excited about it. And that. as they say, practice does make perfect. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you worried this time around? That, did, did you have that yes. feeling? Yes, of course you did. Of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter what you're about to say. Yes, I was worried. Okay, all right. But you managed to knock on something like 25,000 doors. Yeah, um, my, my thought going into this campaign was that uh, what I learned from 2010, and I thought I did a lot of door knocking. I hit about 10,000 doors in the 2010 campaign, but I only started about uh, mid-June. And I wasn't doing it full-time, I was doing it part-time on my days off, and then I took a month off and did full-time campaigning. This time I, I said to myself, I have to hit every door at least once, and so I, I planned that I was going to start eight months in advance, uh, three days a week, and then I would quit my job with four months before the election and go full-time seven days a week, and that's, that's what I did. So it was a, a, lot of, a lot of walking. I lost a lot of weight, and, uh, but, it, but it worked. I mean, people wanted to talk to, to who they potentially could vote for. Yeah. How many pairs of shoes did you go through? You know what? I managed to use just one. Wow. At, right at the end, it definitely got thrown out, but uh, <laughs> I, I kept it with me. It's sort of like the, like the playoff beard. You <laughs> yeah. don't want to shave it. I imagine in that, in the last weeks where you're knocking on doors, you'd come up to them, uh, ring a doorbell, and someone would say, oh, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> what is that smell? Are those your shoes? I'll vote for you, but get some new shoes. Um, that's how I imagine it went. But uh, I think it, just like that, actually. Actually, <laughs> was it was this campaign a tough a tough fight for you? I mean, um, you I think you won quite handily. I'm looking at the journal article here, uh, but you did have some competition in uh, in uh, Brian Sandilands. Yes, he's a great guy too. Yeah, who yeah. was who happened to also be endorsed by the outgoing councillor Linda Sloan. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you, and so you talked about being worried. Did that was that a cause for concern for you? You know, I was less worried until Linda Sloan retired, um, because you know, and I like Linda a lot, and uh, we get along. Every time we met, we we got along, but we had different opinions on some of the key issues, and mm -hmm. uh, that's why I felt it was important for me to run. Um, but during the campaign, up until about eight weeks before uh, the election, which is when she announced her retirement, it was easy. You'd go to the doors, you'd find out what's important to you, and it, we were two very distinct options in terms of what she wanted the city to look like. Um, as soon as she retired, we had five other people enter the race, and we were all saying very similar things. We want to build a great city, and we want to do it in a financially responsible manner, and now you have to somehow separate yourself from five other people who are all saying the same thing. And of course, the problem is I built a campaign designed to beat an incumbent, <laughs> not a campaign designed to run against five people saying the same thing. Right. Um, so yeah, it was it was tough. I spent those those last eight weeks overanalyzing absolutely anything and everything. As you do, I mean, it's a campaign for God's sake. Yeah, and it was it was uh, stressful, um, but I mean, especially because Brian was a was a great candidate. I thought he he did a great job in such a short amount of time, and we still talked a few times after. So the good news is we get along quite well. But yeah, I was I was definitely worried that I'd put in all this time and it was going to sort of come crumbling to, you know, down at uh, the last minute. Well, it was all for nothing because you won with seven. <laughs> 1,492 votes, and Brian came in second with uh, 3,374. Yeah, That's I did, not, ex margin. did yeah. not expect that, but uh, very pleased to have that margin. So the campaign is behind you. Yeah. You've been elected. How is the transition then from kind of perennial runner-up <laughs> to actually being in office? It is 
so amazing. Uh, this, this job is better than I could have imagined. I spent so many years going to council meetings and being involved with the community leagues and interacting with, with wonderful people. And I knew that I would enjoy this job. I didn't know how much I would enjoy this job. And, and now, I mean, it sounds very cliche, but to me, this is very much a dream come true for me. Uh, it's, every day is so different. I get to meet new people. I get to uh, learn about different organizations. I get to deal with different issues. And uh, it just keeps it so fresh and entertaining. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is just wonderful. <laughs> so what are some of those, those key issues that you're sort of looking at right now? I know that, that council just made a, a, a decision to, to proceed with caution on, on the Galleria. Um, we've heard that the uh, Metro line for the LRTs come in under budget. Now yeah. we're talking about doing, is it the Valley line? Yeah, the Valley line, Valley phase line one to, of it. Right, out to Millwood. So um, you represent a ward in West Edmonton. What are, what are your constituents telling you that they're concerned about and what are the things that you want to do on this term, in this term as Councillor of Ward 1? Well, you know, the biggest thing we talked about when we were at the doors was uh, getting, continuing the LRT. So it's great that we finally have the funding for the southeast. We're going to go Millwoods into downtown. But it's that next step. What, what happens after that point in time? Because uh, I think the city has been guilty of, of looking at a very piecemeal approach to LRT. So we build it, and then we go 10 years without building anything, and we build more, and, and, and we just go off and on. And we really need to have a strategy where we are always building LRT. Mm -hmm. um, and because we could always build LRT for the next 25 years and still be close. We might be close to complete if we were constantly building it for the next 25 years. Yeah. Um, so getting a firm timeline into place for West LRT, we've moved from where I think people were saying, you know, it's going to be 20 to 25 years to, out to the West End to I think we're close to saying it might actually be done in 10. Wow. Um, that would be amazing. That's yeah. serious. Impressive. Like, yeah. And it just, you know, I think the city is certainly behind it now. Council's definitely behind that strategy. It's just making sure the other two levels uh, come in with a long-term transit f uh, funding plan. And that allows us to just, again, keep building that LRT. So that would be one thing that's sort of ward-specific. And then and then on the city-wide, there's, there's all sorts of things I'm looking at. Uh, trying to push forward with online voting. Uh, that was a discussion that came a few years ago and uh, didn't go so well and uh, looking to revisit that. So well, let's talk about that a little bit because um, I, I have to admit some skepticism around online voting, which mm -hmm. might seem strange because I live on the internet. <laughs> My address is 11000111101. Anyway, um, but, uh, but so I'm a little concerned about the security of online voting. Um, Maybe talk us through some of the benefits as you see them and, and, and some of the risks as well. Sure. And, and the good news is I'll have this very lengthy, long report that goes over all of this in, in a couple months. But uh, in the meantime, I think there's a couple things to look at. So, I mean, the security is, is definitely not the concern. I think a lot of people think about it in their mind, right? Mm -hmm. When you look at we're all willing to bank online, we're all willing to do almost everything online. Uh, we're doing our census online right now, which That's is true. an extremely important document too. Mm -hmm. um, yet we, we have a little bit of skepticism when it comes to the voting. Um, many provinces, well, Ontario is doing it this year in their 2014 election in almost every city. They're going to be offering some level of online voting. Uh, the province of, I think it was Nova Scotia, actually used all of the research we did in 2012 to justify why they should offer it. And now they're going to be offering it. That's amazing. Um, the country of Estonia uh, votes for their president online. And no way. So, I mean, there's there's many examples of, of safe online voting. Um, it's just a matter of making sure we can communicate that because I think once people really understand that there's not a safety concern, that eliminates your, your main barrier to supporting it. Well, and there's a lot of... 
there's a lot of kind of internet boogeymen that that yeah. make people jittery and and it is weird because as you say like I know most of the people I know do their banking online and they have no concern about that. But then you've got the heartbleed bug information comes out and everybody starts panicking and changing their passwords. And uh, I can I can see why people would be jittery about something as important as voting online because they would want to be to be comfortable and certain that their vote will be counted and that there won't be some sort of hacker defrauding the whole system or something. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think that's where that comes from, certainly. And I don't think stories like Heartbleed help, whether no. they're related to, whether they're directly related or indirectly related to online voting or not, it's going to make the jittery people more jittery. Yeah. But I, I know this is something that, I believe it was something they were trying to do not, was it for this past election? Was there some talk about doing online the, voting? It came before council to do that, and they were doing a test. They did the jelly bean election, and then right. they presented that to council. And at the time, it was an 11 to 2 vote not to proceed. Um, but if you listen back to that meeting, it's it, people just want to be assured that the safety is going to be met. And, and once you have that, I think we'll, we'll be very comfortable with it. So, what do you think? Uh, what do you think online voting will do positively or negatively to things like voter turnout? Well, we've seen in the spots that have implemented it, you're seeing an increase in your voter turnout, in particular in, uh, in your younger crowd, so your next-gen or 18 to 35 demographic, uh, which is very important because it's you know commonly the lowest by a long shot mm -hmm. when it comes to every election. Um, and again, just provide that opportunity for people that want to be engaged but are willing to find any excuse maybe not to go out that day to vote but still want to have a say. Um, so I hope that's just going to see an increase. We've seen it happen in, in U of A and McEwen where they offer it now almost, well, exclusively. Mm -hmm. And their voter turnout, I remember when I was going to university, it was closer to 10%. Now oh, it's yeah. closer to 20%. Really? Oh, that's great. Right? That's really and, and that happens in both McEwen and U of A. So, I mean, there's examples of higher turnouts, um, which is which is really what we want. Great. Yeah. Well, and uh, just uh, the the convenience of it, I think, would appeal to a lot of people. Because some people who might go, eh, I could go out on my coffee break and vote, would be less inclined to put it off if they just had to go to a website and click two things. Yeah. And it would also be convenient for people with disabilities as well. Because it can be uh, a hassle to get out and get to a polling station and vote when you have mobility issues or you're very old. Um, whereas if you have someone who can just point you at a computer, here's the website, click, click, we're done. That's, that's much better for them as well. It'd be interesting to see how online voting would change, uh, get out the vote, uh, portions of people's campaigns. Because when I was working on Don's campaign, we had people, you know, lined up to go and, and pick up senior citizens or people with disabilities to bring them to polling places. Um, I wonder if... I wonder if that would mean, like, in the future, you'd have volunteers with their vehicles and an iPad driving over to that person's house and, and taking them through uh, the online voting piece. It could be, that could be really interesting. And, and that's sort of the idea is let's expand the options, make it easier for people to cast a ballot. Cool. So tell me about, uh, tell me about the average day in the life of Councillor <laughs> Andrew Knack as you're making your way through, through the... Uh, the political cobwebs and red tape <laughs> that are City Hall. Well, there's not too much of a routine other than I'll get up every day at 6 in the morning, um, and I'll catch my 6.45 bus to City Hall, so I'm at City Hall every morning for 7.30. And then 
pretty much every day is different. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'll catch, try to catch up on some emails, uh, you know, read up, read up on some things we're going to be discussing. Uh, but then it's either council meetings or committee meetings or you're meeting with constituents um, throughout the day. And, you know, if I don't have an evening meeting, I'll likely leave City Hall around 7.30, be home for 8 o'clock at night. Um, if there is an evening meeting, well, obviously, then you're home at 10 or 11. And, okay. uh, but it's, it's, well, that's what's so great about it. You know, I knew it was going to be long days. I knew it would be you know, 12 to 14 to 16-hour days, and, and I was uh, looking forward to that because you get to meet so many great people. And, uh, yeah, it's just wonderful. There's no, there's no specific routine, but I, you know, there's, there's some common things that happen. I'm, I get to be the council representative on NextGen and oh, Youth cool. Council and uh, getting to interact with those people. Um, it's, it's amazing to see how engaged, especially the Youth Council. I mean, these are, these are um, younger people aged 13 to 23, and they absolutely put me to shame when I was 18 or 20 and going through university. I would go to U, U of A. I would, you know, do my classes, go to, go to work, maybe come home, play video games. I wouldn't think about organizing anything or, you know, I might read the news, but goodness, the amount of work they put into to making our city better, it's, uh, it makes me look bad from when I was younger. <laughs> it makes me look bad now. Goodness. How many, how many emails that we were talking earlier before we recorded about the number of emails various counselors get? What's, what's your daily email looking like? And I know that you've got a, a, an executive assistant that helps you with that sort of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's fortunate being, being the new guy. Like, nobody knows me yet. So, so I get, like, you know, maybe 10 emails of, of uh, actual, well, it's not even of actual issues or concerns. I might get 10, 10 to 20 emails that sort of are invites to various events or just notifications. And then right now I get maybe, you know, know, three or four or five constituent emails or concerns. Um, so it's sort of nice because it allows me to focus time on other things, but I'm sure like sooner or later, I, I hope to catch up to Amergy where I get 200 emails a day. Um, maybe not that much. I don't think I ever, I ever want that much because I'm one of those people that want to respond to every person. Um, you know, I have some fantastic people I work with, Cheryl in the office. She does a lot of great things and, and communicates with a lot of constituents, but I like to follow up no matter what. I want to at least say, hey, I hear that everything's dealt with, but I just wanted to say hi. If mm -hmm. you have any other questions, call me up. Cool. So, what are what you're getting? If you're getting a few of these constituent emails a day, uh, what are some of the issues in your ward right now that uh, that citizens are worried about? Uh, it varies. Varies on the month. I mean, right now we've been dealing a lot with uh, the dog park in Bonavista. Oh, is that right? Uh, yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, that's that. This is the first issue where I've been hated by both sides. <laughs> I'm being seen as both anti-dog and anti-cyclist. So I, that must mean that I've done something right because both sides hate me. So it means hopefully I'm somewhere in the middle. What's uh, the What's the issue there around around? cyclists and, and pets well it, yeah it depends which side you ask i mean so the cyclists don't like um you know the dogs that run off leash although it's an off-leash area because they can sometimes go and bite them or there can be challenges in interactions uh dog owners don't want uh, to to see a lot of the additional pa uh, trails paved because that encourages cyclists to go a bit faster mm -hmm. um there was some misinformation as well that a lot of people are saying this the park's actually going to shrink when in reality that's not the case all the information shows otherwise but for whatever reason, sometimes you get that, that situation where people hear something from someone and they don't want to believe even the facts once you've emailed them and, and communicated it. So. Yeah, it's almost like a bad game of uh, telephone. You know? <laughs> like, except oh. that you've got the original telephone person also shouting at you what the original word was. Yeah. <laughs> Purple monkey dishwasher. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, are you hearing a lot about um, potholes as well? 
You know what? It's it's not as bad. You know, I think I hear it more through Twitter than than I do actual emails uh, through through constituents. And I mean, there's always going to be a percentage of people that that's the big concern for them. But you know, as I go, as I work more and more in this job and get to meet with more groups, it's it's important, of course, to have a good, efficient roadway system. But it's by no means the most important issue that we should really be dealing with as a city. It's not, you know, let's have a proper system in place so we don't have to worry about and focus our attention on all the other great groups and organizations. And it's interesting that you mentioned you hear more about it on Twitter because I think that more people, especially with a with a concern like potholes, gripe about it in the moment, yeah. but would never actually think to formally complain to the city about it. And that's, it, that's so funny is that, yeah, they'll spend the time to make the tweet and then not call 311. Yeah. And then every day they'll drive over it and, and you know, sort of curse the world. That, Why hasn't this been fixed? Well, nobody's reported it. And, yeah. and until you report it, we can't fix it, right? Yeah, <laughs> unless like Andrew himself drives over the pothole and then thinks, God <laughs> <damn>. <laughs> Although maybe soon we'll get to the point like where we have an app or other cities have apps where you can actually take a picture, we'll locate it, and you can report it that way. That's something I'd like to see us do, make it a lot that, easier. That is interesting. That'd yeah. be amazing, actually. It's all part of the open uh, open da data movement, is trying to make it that easy for people to engage. That'd be sweet. Yeah. It's like uh, some banks allow you to take photographs of yep. checks to deposit them. This is basically the same thing. Except with potholes. Exactly. You are yep. depositing a pothole <laughs> Into in the city. the city. <laughs> That didn't make sense. <laughs> you all understand what we're talking about, right, listeners? Um, so we did ask uh, we did ask people to submit questions uh, for you because uh, they knew you were going to be on the show. Did you get anything other than puns about my last uh, name? I did. <laughs> we did get one. It was actually it was actually texted to me by a colleague that I work with who lives in your ward. Oh, excellent! So one person actually cares. I feel important now. One That's, person sent that a question. That is like one more person than has ever actually answered to our calls for questions. <laughs> No, they're just, they just, they know that Scott and I are such skilled interviewers that they don't actually have they to They assume anything. that we are going to skillfully and successfully ask any question that they would have. Yeah, so, so it's no worries for them. But she she lives in the area around uh, 149th Street and uh, 95th Avenue. Mm -hmm. And inside her neighborhood, there's been construction at the intersection of 151st Street and 93rd. There's a huge hole in that intersection. Yep. And she says it's been there for two years. And as of last night, she'd had enough of it. So she, she, wants, to, she wants to know when that's going to wrap up and, and what that's all about. I don't know if you know off the top of your head. I don't know off the top of my head, but she should get in touch with me. I know that spot that she's referring to, so we can find out what's going on. on all right. That. Well, I will direct her to, to email you. Uh, Secret sure. underground bunker. Yeah. That's what's being built there. For sure. Now, now because some of, the, some of the jokes about your last name uh, were hilarious, mm -hmm. we, we should share some <laughs> Oh, of I agree. Um, Got to have fun in this job. Can't take it seriously all the time. Uh, some of them were terrible. Jay Runham was basically just rhyming knack with other yeah, words. I, was, and I that, saw that was, those one. It really wasn't the, was the greatest in the world. Um, so uh, this one from Carolyn Jane I really liked. Did your parents ever consider calling you Nicholas? No, unfortunately, they never did. But uh, if I were to ever have a child, I would name him Nicholas just uh, just for fun. Nick Knack. That is yeah. a form yeah. of abuse, I think. I, <laughs> I, I think it just it motivates them to work harder throughout life. If I were to ever do that, <laughs> fair enough. And uh, let's see, you or go by their middle name, <laughs> you actually, which will be Nick Nicholas Knack. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah. that's going to be that one of those kids, like the Michael Hunts of the world, only want to be called there Michael. Was, there was a Michael Hunt in my school. I have no word of a lie. In my high school, there was an unfortunate child whose name was Michael Hunt. And he was called to the office, no joke, 
every day because kids are jerks. Oh, that's <laughs> terrible. All right, so here's, here's one that I liked. If you attend a Renaissance fair in modern dress, are you an anachronism? <laughs> oh, goodness. That was a good one. Wow. That was very good. And is the cause of an argument with you the straw that broke the camel's neck? Was another one. That, that was. Yeah, a, I would say not. That's terrible. Yeah. That was Jay Runamask, actually. That one. So, but I mean, got to step up his game, really. I, I should. I should let our listeners know that this is not the first time that uh, that we've interacted with you uh, on the Unknown Studio, or or as it relates to the Unknown Studio, back on uh, I think it was. February 3rd, 2010, at 11.55 a.m., according to the timestamp here. <laughs> it appears I had nothing better to do with <laughs> my time. <laughs> you sent us an email. Mm-hmm. You sent the Unknown Studio an email with a possible show topic, uh, Fast 15 suggestion, and a pun on your, on your name as well. <laughs> Oh, good. I created my own pun. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited to hear it, actually. And actually, you know, I think you also asked us here if you could advertise on the show, and I, I'm still not really certain if I ever did respond to this. <laughs> I might have just been like, Andrew Knack, who the hell's that guy? I think that's what a lot of people still say. But uh, I'm going to read part of this email. Please because do. Because, you know, a blast from the past. It's, it's pretty good. Uh, so it says, good morning, Scott and Adam. Having listened to my fair share of podcasts and their many letter sections, I believe I am obligated to start by telling you how excellent your podcast is. Oh, well, thank you. So if if you take nothing else away from this uh, interview with Andrew Knack, it is that we are amazing. At at least we were several years ago. And then I have good taste. And then you, yeah, incredibly uh, good taste. Um, So you said it's a good balance of information information and entertainment, which is something that Scott has always positioned this show as. Agreed. We are infotainment. Now, uh, you were writing um, because you'd read how Scott had been losing his life to Mass Effect 2, and you thought it would be very interesting to have a podcast with the head people from BioWare, who are actually no longer with BioWare. That's true. They, both the doctors have left. This, this email represents a colossal missed opportunity for Scott and I, I think. I mean, I need to pay closer attention. Um, <laughs> so if uh, there's a second thing you should take away from this uh, podcast, it's that Adam does not pay attention to our email at all. Yeah. This is the first time reading it, maybe, here, four years later. So, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, though, because you do go on to suggest that we should add a question to the Fast 15 about what's your favorite console or game. And I, I we do that now. We, yes. That's part of the Fast 15. And, you know, I'm sure that that was in the back of our subconscious when we developed that part. I'm taking credit for it. it. Andrew Knack has enhanced the Fast 15 for you guys. That's what happened. Um, and then you said, I, ha- I obviously have a knack... Oh. for making great show topic suggestions, and therefore you would be silly not to try and get the people from Bioware on your so that show. That was my attempt to be funny, and I have no funny skills at all. I don't know. I, I would call that a resounding success, actually. <laughs> that was... It was infotainment. Agreed. We should uh, we should look into getting some people from Bioware on We should. Show. That's we should. Uh, something we actually have not really done. We could do it with guest host Andrew Nett. I would love that. Yeah. <laughs> I want to tour their studio and play all their games. I feel like you're in a position where you could basically strong arm them into letting you do that. I don't I don't want to abuse the position to go play early release video games, but I might. <laughs> I might. <laughs> that would be the one perk. Yes, exactly. The one perk. Right some on. politicians, you know, use their power to fly luxury jets all over the world. Some <laughs> politicians use their power to sleep with all of their aides. You're just using your power to play video games. I can think of... Isn't that what it's really all about? Yes. <laughs> Objectively, yes. That is what it's all about. Um, so what are, what are your plans uh, for the rest of, of the year? I don't want to say the whole term on council because I know there's a lot to get done, but you talked about LRT being a priority. 
Uh, you talked about uh, the Bonavista dog park being a priority for some of your constituents. What, what are some of the things you're working on? To get you know, done this year. Other than, uh, so online voting, as we just talked about, I think um, open data in general, I, I'd like to see the city actually have a formal strategy about that. Um, the other big part is really just to, to learn more. I mean, one thing, when you're involved with the community leagues, for, you know, I was involved for six years, and they do a lot of great work in the city, but they are only one small piece of this wonderful, wonderful city that we have. And... Um, you know, things that are more challenging to learn about. Like yesterday I was at the Sexual Assault Center of Edmonton, and it's a topic I never really talked or thought about f up until this job. Mm -hmm. And it's such an important issue that I know I am nowhere close to uh, informed. And I need to be more informed. I need to learn about important topics. These are the topics that, that really matter. I mean, I appreciate that there's always going to be people passionate about dog parks or video games, but but the real issues that we need to deal with are, are some of those, and we need to have bigger conversations and, and adult conversations about those, because I think too often we sort of push them off to the side and avoid it. And so, yeah. so those are the things I want. I really just want to learn. And, and also, I want to work with the, the youth side, because we have so many great people involved with our youth council and involved with Next Gen. Uh, I want to do what I can to support them, because you know I quickly realize these are people smarter than I am who have who are even more engaged than I probably ever was, or hopefully, maybe I'll get to that point too. Um, so I want to do what I can to help promote whatever they're working on. Well, and it's nice to see youth representation on city council. You may, I mean, Don Iveson is is relatively young. You're relatively young, and, and I, I am younger than Don Iveson. Well, just for the record, and uh, I look older than him, but I just like to be clear. I am younger than Don Iveson. And Walters is a pretty young dude too, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's uh, he's pretty young too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, it's it's. Cool. I'm not going to give away their ages. I think that's bad. I don't know if that's good. <laughs> well, you can look up Don's age on his Wikipedia. page. Well, Don's fine. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> anyone else, you, you don't want to give away age. Yeah. Was that was age an issue for you in the election at all? No, because I look like I'm 75 years old because I have. <laughs> No hair, and I'm. I just look like the oldest thirty-year-old you've ever met. I was twenty-nine when I was running for election, and people. So people look at you at the door, and they're like, "You look somewhat mature, but you still have some youth to you." All right. So I, was, I never gave away my age when I could. That's hilarious. You're like the Hans Molman of Edmonton. <laughs> <laughs> That's right a great description. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, and We're before, already done? Oh, before we boot you out, though, it's, it is time for my favorite part of the show. The Fast 15. The very same. Fantastic. So you know how this works. Definitely. But, our, but for our listeners who are just listening for the first time. Shame on them. All three of you. <laughs> Three would be probably be quite a bit. <laughs> let's um, hope we get more than three. So the way that this works is that uh, we ask our question. Uh, we ask. Let's try that again. We ask all of our guests the same thirteen questions, uh, so that you get an opportunity to know who they are, and then we tailor make two questions to our specific guest uh, to give them something a little different. Throw them a curveball, if you will, or two, or two, literally two. Yeah. Actually. So here, here we go. The Fast Fifteen with Counselor Andrew Knack. Number one, your favorite food. Tortellini. Ooh, that was, he came prepared. That was highly specific. He's got, he's got notes. Yeah. He's ready to go. He actually has a binder with tabs. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. One for each question. <laughs> with 30 well, pages of research. Well researched. <laughs> What's your favorite color? Uh, blue for the campaign, but to wear, I'm getting very fond of pink and purple. It looks very nice on I you. I think it's working. Uh, Mac, PC, or Linux? Uh, so for home computers, I like PC, but for anything mobile, I like uh, Mac. 
Right on. Uh, dogs or cats? Neither. I'm not a pet guy, but if I had to choose, I'll choose cats. Ooh. Actually, that is, a, that is an emerging trend in this country. For the first time in history, more people own cats than dogs in Canada. Also, you've just lost some points on the dog park, people. <laughs> it's not a cat park. <laughs> this is true. Uh, coffee or tea? I don't drink either. If I have to, I'll drink tea, uh, but I don't drink coffee. I'm more of a water and a smoothie kind of guy. Right on. Yeah. Right on. Okay. What about your favorite holiday? Uh, you got to say Christmas. Fair enough. Uh, favorite sport? Favorite sport to watch is football. Favorite sport to play is the European football or Ooh. soccer. Now, if you're watching football, is it Canadian or no, American? It's American. It's American football. <laughs> of course it is. Your favorite uh, pastime? Uh, you know, other than doing this job, I would say uh, playing video games. Right on. But I don't get much time anymore. It's depressing. <laughs> Your favorite music right now? Favorite music. This is a, you know, so I'm always been a top 40 guy, but so I enjoy when I, if the rare times that I'm driving, I will listen to top 40. But then when I'm just, you know, in the office listening to headphones, I like songs. In particular, my playlist, uh, there's the Sunshine Indie Pop playlist. I never used to be an indie guy, but that's what I listen to. It's good, good you know, keep you, it keep sounds you happy. Up, it sounds uplifting. It is, because yeah. you've got to stay happy in this job. It's so much fun. For sure. Uh, what about your favorite movie right now? So my favorite movie of all time is 500 Days of Summer. Mm-hmm. And uh, with uh, although I love a lot of Disney movies, they'll come in a close second. Frozen, actually, that's my most recent favorite movie. Oh, interesting. I'm a big Disney nerd. Yeah, big, right big on. Disney nerd Everyone nerds. loves Frozen, it seems. And that it, it is universally beloved. Yeah. It really should be. And that soundtrack's awesome. Yeah. What about your favorite video game these days? So it would be the same one I, I emailed when we were talking about Mass Effect 2. That is the one. I mean, I spent about 100 hours on each of the three Mass Effects, not 100 hours total. I went and did every little side mission, played every little bit you could ever imagine. But Mass Effect 2, why that was so engaging? Here's the nerd story. Let's, <laughs> let's uh, you know, enhance my nerd cred right now. So everyone, you've both played Mass Effect 2 to the end. Yes. You've, you've went through it. I have not. That's embarrassing. I so I'm going to not talk to you anymore <laughs> about this. So at, at the end of Mass Effect 2, you have to start selecting your people to go into the separate parts of the end mission, and they can die. Yes, they can. So when I knew that this was this was going to happen, this was going to come up. So as you had to make your selection, I literally sat down the control sat the controller down, and then for about an hour, I molded over in my head. I was thinking about the last you know ninety hours I had just played, and think, okay, well, Garrus has been a leader. He wants to prove himself. I'm going to select him as the leader because he's not he's going to make sure nobody else dies. And I went through that over and over again, and I just played it through my head. Went to the end. Nobody died, and I just celebrated like the you know that kid in the N64 commercial at Christmas, where he just got yeah, I just got an N64. This is the greatest moment of my life, and it was it's still probably almost one of the greatest <laughs> moments of my life that nobody died in Mass Effect Two. That's awesome. Yeah. If if you when you create your own Wikipedia page, which I highly recommend, I you really do, should. I feel like that should be a section the the Mass Effect story. That that the triumph so, that so hugely impacted your life. It was that was the life changing moment for me. So, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? This is the, I I've been I've been listening to the shows for years. I cannot think of one because everyone always says the flight and teleportation. And I think we discussed boring. this last. I know, show. and mm. I know, and it's and I don't know. It just seems boring. I think you'd want to have. Uh, you want to have something like I, I still I still don't know maybe maybe invincibility like something like that. That's actually because then you can do so many great things. Yeah, you, you and play the best pranks, really, like jumping off buildings and stuff. 
That's that would be fun. Yeah, you, get, you get around quicker, yeah. maybe not as quick as flight or teleportation. <laughs> maybe, but you could. Yeah, you, you, you could wouldn't jump have to take down the lift. thirty flights of stairs and say, "Well, I'm not going to wait for the stairs of the elevator." <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, what about your your choice between Star Wars or Star Trek? So uh, this is always a tough one because video game wise, it's Star Wars hands down because you got Knights of the Old Republic, you got all those wonderful. Great I games. honestly can't think of a good Star Trek video game. No, there are. Th- uh, there's like X Wing on the PC from like you know late '80s, early '90s, something like that. That's what did I just say? X. Yeah, yeah, yeah Sorry, Star Wars. That's Star Wars. So oh, that was. Oof, sorry, was, my cred was almost there. There was a Star oh. Trek. Uh, first-person shooter that was a Deep Space Nine game where yeah. you got to go around shooting Jem Hadar, and it was not great, but it was okay. And I think that's and that's as, setting the bar pretty low. That, though. that's as good as it's gotten for them. Yeah. So, so video game-wise, you got to go Star Wars, but everything else, I actually think I'm a Star Trek guy. You know, Captain Picard. You've got to you've got to love the Next Generation. I've watched that for years. I respect that. Yeah, I totally respect that because I love Star Trek. Yes, I know. Okay, so now we're on to our wild card questions. Uh, what is the toughest part of your job these days? You know, the toughest part is just when you when you are talking to the people who do not want to actually have a conversation, mm. who they, they are, they're so set in their opinion that they're not willing to have a dialogue and, and maybe understand why you're thinking the way you are. And, uh, and maybe if you can come to that mutual respect, even if you agree to disagree at the end, but you might mutually respect one another. Um, so that's always tough because I, I know going into this job that even if I were the best counselor in the history of the world, 30% of the people are going to hate me no matter what. Um, but I, I always want to be able to engage those people, and, and oftentimes they have no desire to. I've had this one person who's emailed me probably 20 times since I've got aboard, uh, and he's hated many things that I've done. And every time I've, I've sent in my reply and offered to either sit down in person or talk over the phone, have a conversation, and he hasn't even acknowledged that offer. Really? And it's just frustrating yeah. because that, that, that happens. But, you know, uh, sooner or later I'll have to get over the fact that I, I won't be able to engage every person but Mm -hmm. uh, right now that's the most frustrating part well fair enough and what do you miss the most that your job has made it difficult for you to do because you're a really busy guy you know you know i guess i guess i don't get to play video games as much as i as much as i used to and i love doing that um and vacations are a little bit harder now but uh you know this job is so amazing that i i'm willing to to trade off those a little bit to to be able to keep doing what i'm doing right on well, it was a pleasure to have you on the show. Finally, yes. I'm very excited to be here. This, like I say, it's it's witchcraft. I don't know if I'm going to hear myself. I don't know if I should listen to the podcast that I am speaking on. You, that sh- might be you should, yeah, you definitely should. Well, we need to do it for your sponsors, really. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. So, thank you again for being on the show, <laughs> and uh, and have a great uh, great rest of the uh, term. I hope to see you around town a lot. Thank you. I hope so too. All right. You've been listening to The Unknown Studio, episode 99. Our guest, Andrew Knack, pre-production by Adam Rosenhart, post-production by Scott C. Bourgeois. The Unknown Studio is a proud member of the League of Extraordinary Media. You can visit us on the web at theunknownstudio.ca. Thanks for listening.
Because oh, oh more specifically God. because Scott is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>